Hi, this is Beat It with Joe, and you're listening to Joe Mountford, where we focus on mental health for performance. This is the second podcast in the series where we've been focusing on the parents' role in supporting their elite athlete. So subscribe now to stay connected to hear all more in the series. Today, I have the honor and privilege to chat to Jill Doig, who is mother to Connor Doig. Connor is a 17-year-old tennis player, and he's in his final year at St. Stephen's College in Johannesburg. Connor has a junior ITF ranking of 592, a junior under-18 SA ranking of number two, and a men's SA ranking of number 10. Connor's short-term goal is to obtain a good scholarship at a college in the USA and complete a business degree whilst playing tennis for the next four years. He says his family is really important to him. And his dad, Bradley, is an international businessman. His mum, Jill, is a sports coach and teacher and has managed the South African women's hockey team at the Tokyo Olympics. And his sister, Jamie, is studying a business degree at the University of Exeter in the UK. So welcome, Jill. It's so lovely to chat to you. And I would like to focus on you as the parent who's on this journey with Connor. You also have so much experience having been the manager of SA Women's Hockey Team. So any interesting um, examples that you will be able to share will be absolutely so valuable. So hi, Jill, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for inviting me onto this wonderful show. And um, yeah, really looking forward to our chat and being able to share some of Connor's journey and our journey as a family. Oh, thank you so much. So, Jill, the first question I'm going to ask you is, how did your life change when you realized that Connor had the talent to take his tennis to the next level? So I know that he also was a very handy or still is a very handy hockey player, um, but he's decided to focus on his tennis. So how has how's, how's your life changed as a family, knowing that? Um, so I think we've always encouraged um Connor and Jamie, but I'll, I'll just talk about Connor in this interview. So we've always encouraged him to play as many sports as possible. Um, we really did believe that that was a good ground, would be a good grounding for him. And through that process, the choice almost became his to make. Um, you know, I don't subscribe to the fact or to, to the fact that parents need to maybe make the decisions for the children. I think if you expose the children enough to various things, they can start making their own decisions. Um, so in primary school, he was playing six or seven sports um, at, a, at a first team level. Um, and then slowly those started whittling down um, to the two that he is currently playing, his tennis and his hockey. Um, and I think for us, we allowed him to make those decisions. It, it is what makes him happy. And I think if you've got a happy child, you're going to have a successful child, especially if they have a talent that they're able to use. Um, we've always said, we, we've taken, we've had some criticism from, from people in the tennis circles um, for allowing him to carry on playing his hockey. Um, but as a family, and for him especially, it's incredibly important for him to play that other sport. Bearing in mind, tennis is such a single-minded sport, and basically you're by yourself on that court. Um, so with the hockey, he gets the team environment, um, and 
all of the, the factors that a team environment will bring into your life, um, which, which is different from tennis. So, until I know you said that some of his tennis peers have gone online and have stayed online and that pressure was oh. coming your way, wasn't it? Yes. So that has been probably the biggest factor um, that we've had to discuss and negotiate over the last couple of years. Um, many of his tennis peers uh, playing at his level started homeschooling a while ago, um, including at St. Stithians, but around the country, a lot of his peers are, are doing the online option. Um, which makes it much more flexible for them to go to tennis tournaments and play a lot of matches, practice at different times and all of that. So if I look back, that has probably been the single biggest stress that we've had to cope with in the last number of years is keeping Connor at school, his choice. He has wanted to stay at school and he has not wanted to leave. Um, and we've had to juggle that process um, so that he can still play the tennis and do well academically. And has the school been supportive of giving him time out? Incredibly supportive. Okay. Um, they really truly have been. Um, but I think that is because it is a two-way street. We communicate freely with the school. We communicate often with the school. And I think because they're kept in the picture by myself and Connor, um, and we also don't expect the school to pick up the pieces. You know, we, we do say we are taking the time off. Um, it is up to Connor to make up that time or to go and speak to his teachers when he gets back. Um, and, you know, I think because he does that, the school is more willing to support and, and is able to support because it's not taken yeah. for granted by ourselves, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, the communication channels are open. Yeah. So, um, you, having the experience of worked with elite sportswomen, mm. I'm going to ask you what made him different from his peers. So you know what he looks like as a, as a youngster and you know what elite hockey players look like. And when I, when I mean that, it's like you're, in his strengths, you put their determination, motivated, dedicated, all of those things. What do you think made him different? What behaviors does he do? What thinking does he have that you can compare to non-elite, not non-high performers? Yeah. Um, look, I, it, it's quite a tricky one to answer. Um, I think for a start, in order to reach the levels possibly that he has reached, you have to have the talent to start with. And I think from a very early age, possibly because of my background in sport, um, I was a phys ed teacher for many years. I, I have a very good understanding of what it takes physically, I think, to become a, a, good, um, a good sportsman, um, because it is more than physical, it is mental and, and all of that as well. Um, but from a physical point of view, when he was sort of, two, three, I noticed that when he was running around with a ball or a stick or something, that he would start positioning his body naturally to be able to hit the ball better or kick the ball better. And he has always been really, really good at ball sports. Um, he's not brilliant in the pool. He can swim, but he doesn't enjoy it. Um, but give him anything with a ball and he is very, very comfortable. So, and I started noticing that he was making adjustments as small as he was. 
Um, mm. And then we just gave him some equipment and, and, and let the process sort of happen, you know, through school, through nursery school, through primary school. Um, but one thing with Connor is he has got an incredible focus when he has a goal or when he has a target. He's probably one of the most relaxed guys that you will ever meet, including what he looks like on the tennis court. But if you give him a goal, he will focus on that goal um, and he is able to put other things aside and focus on that until he reaches that goal. Um, and I think that's quite a good characteristic that he has got and that we have been able to develop over the years. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, a, it's part of mindset. It's yeah. being able to zo zoom in on, on what's required and being able to zoom out of, of what's not important. So yeah. we speak about the sacrifices that these youngsters have to make when, you know, when, when they are talented and they need to focus on performance, which we're going to get to shortly. Mm. Um, but let's have a look at how do you think you manage the pressure and the stress when the tournament, when he's competing in a tournament, when there's SA rankings, when there's whatever going on? How do you, as parents, manage the stress? Um, well, I think, again, as we've gotten older, um, we've realized that the stress is not really for us. You know, he's on the court. It's his sport. We have to manage his stress. It really is pointless us being stressed. Um, we did certainly go through a phase, uh, and anyone that knows Brad, <laughs> my hubby, will also know that he, he does get quite involved. Um, but even he has learned, take a step back. It's not actually about us at all. It's about what Connor needs to achieve. And yeah. it doesn't help him if we are stressed. So okay. we. So, Joe, what does what does um, it look like if Brad's involved? Like, what is it? Is it loud? Is it? Yeah, no, I mean, both Brad and I are very loud. Um, okay. Connor did go through a stage where he would prefer me on the side of a court um, because Brad was a little bit too intense. But in in late in latter years, that is that is also relaxed. He's quite happy for Brad to be on the side of the court. I think. Um, I think like any parent, you want your child to do well. And if you see that a child has got talent, you want them to, to use that talent to achieve what you feel, you know, you, you know that they can achieve. Um, but I think as, as the saying goes, you know, it's, it's, it's not a race, it's a journey. And I think you need to have little milestones in place and be able to go through that journey to reach your goal it's not who can get there quicker um yeah. it's let's get there at some point uh and that's yeah. when i think parents need to take a step back and just let the process go um and let the child go at their own pace um one of the best pieces of, of advice we were given is you don't really want them to necessarily be the under 12 or the under 14 champion you need that, that graph needs to just be going up and up and up to the under 18 level. Um, you know, because that's when, if the child is achieving at that age and stage, mm. more than likely the commitment and the passion and the drive to achieve is coming from the child. 
Okay, I was going to say, if oh. you've got long- longevity in the sport, they're still allowed to have the passion. Yes. Um, and I think as a parent, what you're saying about being loud on the side of the court is, is when is it helping and when is it hindering? Yeah. So, so as a parent, you might think, yeah, I'm really g- giving amazing advice and energy and whatever, but the conversation needs to happen with your child. Is, is this being helpful or am I actually distracting your attention? And, and, yeah. and I think acknowledging that it's not about you. It's yeah. about them. No, very um, much so. Um, and I think, to be fair, he's come off the court on a number of occasions and said that he actually doesn't hear us. It's more he does look at us and he'll see body language and he'll read the body language almost more than he's reading, reading the sounds coming out of us. Um, so, yeah, we, we, um, uh, there's, there's some video footage last year when he won nationals. Brad and I were sitting quite close to the court, but I think whenever the video went on us, we were pretty much in the same position <laughs> and with the same f- poker faces to, to a degree because we just okay. were, you know, we didn't want to show him anything yes. uh, except support and, you know, the odd thumbs up, but we were as relaxed as we could be in our chairs um, okay. although internally it was quite stressful, but outwardly yes. we were trying to be relaxed because he was looking at us for <clears> that <throat> feedback. Yeah. But Jill, I think what you're saying is invaluable to every parent out there is that when I'm working with, with players, I, I talk about being mindful and being present and connecting with your senses and, you know, having body awareness. I think mm. the parents need to be the same, just just like you, you're saying, is that mm. you're intentionally being relaxed, even though it wasn't really what was going on. But the message outwardly, which was going to help him, was not to be extra. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's fantastic, yes. And I know there are a lot of parents now that maybe don't watch their children as, as often as they used to because, mm. you know, the kids are older now. They maybe don't want mom or dad around. I've just said to Connor, for me, it's not negotiable. Um, For me, it is a privilege to watch him playing tennis and Mm -hmm. hockey. And I think we have so little time with our children that I've just said to him, I'm sorry, I will watch as many matches as I can. I do Mm -hmm. sit further away from the court now. I certainly don't make nearly as many comments or you know compliments or clap my hands as much as I used to I'm very much quieter and I just really I think I'm just enjoying the moment now and watching the talent that he's got and him using his talent is how okay okay that's wonderful so my next question is um how do you stay positive so say there's a Say he's had a huge disappointment. So say yeah. he was hoping to make an SA team or selected for something. And I know tennis is slightly different because you either win or you lose. So mm. it's a bit yeah. like swimming. You've either got the time or you don't. But yeah. um, say, has there been a disappointment where he's hoped for something and it hasn't happened? Has, has that happened? Um, yes. Yes, but not at a, not at a massive level. Um, Again, you know, you are going to lose matches. You are going yeah. to lose tennis matches um, and you will lose more than you will win generally. Um, okay. But uh, until you reach, you know, obviously much higher levels. So, yes, I think every loss 
can be construed as a disappointment. And okay. some of those disappointments will hurt more than others or be, you know, viewed on by Connor as, as more disappointing than others, depending on the nature of the loss. It could yeah, be, I was to say, depending yeah. on his expectations, right? Yeah. yeah. So it depends. And so my question to you yeah. as the parent yeah. is, how have you managed that? So when he's come off and he's lost a game that he should absolutely have, have won, yeah. how, do you, how have you managed that negative scenario? So first of all, I've learned not to discuss it too soon after he's come off the court. He needs okay. time to go and digest that. Often he will discuss it with his coach before he will discuss it with us. Um, and I think that is the right, the right way to do it. You know, we're not his coaches. We are his family um, mm -hmm. and we will support him. But the, the right pathway is generally he needs to chat to his coach first who usually watches most of his matches um, and if not is on the other end of a telephone and, and Connor can chat to him, you know, about what went wrong. Again, his coach won't give him a full debrief until probably the next day because I think with time, you also realize it's actually just a tennis match. And, you know, yes, while it is disappointing, I think because he has other things to focus on when he you know when he when he comes off the court um so after a while the disappointment becomes a little less important um uh, maybe it gives him perspective <clears throat> just having a having a few hours in between gives absolutely, one perspective on the absolutely. results and i think um look it doesn't take away from the disappointment but yes perspective is good um and again as with all sport you know, you need to look back at why are you disappointed? My, my comment to him all the time is, I'd rather have you disappointed than not caring about the result. Because yeah. the minute that you start, the minute that you come off the court and you shrug your shoulders and you tell me, oh, actually, you're not even, you're not worried about losing or you're not, you're not disappointed. Then we have a problem because... And the passion's gone. The passion's gone. So as long as he's disappointed for us... It is a sign that we're doing the right thing in supporting him and helping him play the sport um, because it means, obviously, still it, it still means something to him. Um, and, you know, as with life, you know, disappointments are going to happen. It's how you deal with those disappointments and get up after the disappointments and move forward. And, again, this is just going back to the hockey. We firmly believe that, he wouldn't be as good of a tennis player if he didn't have his hockey. Okay. Because you can take that disappointment and maybe a couple of hours later, I mean, we literally have gone in the car from a hockey, from a tennis match, changing in his hockey clothes to go and, you know, play a hockey match shortly after the tennis match. Um, and as soon as you're on the field with your friends, with your teammates, you're playing a different sport, you've got a different focus you come off and the pressure's dispersed. The, the yeah. pressure shared amongst yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I think that's how we would deal. Yeah, I think that's I think that you're doing a fantastic job. I want to ask you, as a family, what sacrifices 
have you had to make? Um, like he would have had tennis tournaments, um, so you know those type of sacrifices. Jamie would have had to maybe make sacrifices, you know, sure, and maybe those sacrifices are still coming because he's still yeah. at school in a structure, living at home. But things are going to change next year. Yes. So in terms of sacrifices, um, I suppose it's more about time management and and holidays. So the way that the South African tennis calendar is is um, constructed. Um, most of the big tournaments on the South African circuit are played during government school holidays. Connor happens to be at a private school, so what starts happening is he has to take time off school um, to play some of the bigger tournaments. It's not always possible because of exams, because of other sporting fixtures, and you just can't miss that much school. So then you start looking at your holiday time where you have got time to maybe go and play tournaments elsewhere. And then as a family, because you're all on holiday at that time, it's okay, we'll go and play a tennis tournament and then have a holiday afterwards. So generally the first part of the holiday is wrapped up in tennis. Um, okay. You know, it's not, not every holiday, but, but it is like that. When he's on December break, for instance, um, wherever we go away, generally there are a couple of tournaments at the beginning of year. So you can't just take off the whole of December. So yeah. when you're on December holiday, you need to find a hitting partner. Um, you, you know, so you do have to find, you, you do work you your way plan ahead. tennis and yeah. you plan ahead. Um, so, yeah. That, that's is there the any resentment? Is there, is, has there ever been any resentment? Not that I can, not that I can pick up. Certainly not, you know. Brad and I certainly not. Um, and Jamie herself is has played lots of sport. And when you know she was younger, Connor also would make um, sacrifices to go and watch her play and go on tournaments, you know, with her. So I, I think they have a healthy respect for each other's space um, and and what they've had to do in their sporting lives. And then. So talking about um, sacrifices, and this I'd like you to maybe share some of your knowledge on the SA hockey. Yes. So I'm going to ask you, I was going to ask you, and you can answer just now, about food choices. Obviously, as a family, you would have maybe had to make special food choices because he needs to be eating for performance. Mm -hmm. But the one that many people don't know about is medicine. Like yeah. Being incredibly aware of what medication you're giving. Can you share any advice to parents who have got youngsters who may be tested? If they, I mean, all sports should be tested mm. and some are tested more than others, but is there any advice for this process? So, yes, I, I can add there. So in the tennis world, and I'm not too sure about any of the, the other uh, smaller sports, should we call it that, Connor has yet to be tested. He's never been at a tournament where he's been tested, even when he won nationals last year, which is when I thought that would be the only time that he might be tested. Um, bearing in mind that to do these drug tests, it's a very expensive process. Oh, so okay. a lot of the sports can't actually do a lot of the testing. Um, going back to the hockey girls, they've only really been tested at some of the major big tournaments in South Africa and overseas. And again, there will only be 
one or two players per team that get pulled out and selected for testing. Supposedly, it is a random testing situation. Um, but with the tennis world, we've yet to be in a situation where we have been asked to test. Um, but okay, I think but so is there an app? I think there's an app that, that parents need to be aware of that if you're giving them a painkiller or a... Yeah, yeah. there, there are apps, there's books. And so, so the app is very clever in that depending on which country in the world you are, you can put in the South African medication and it will give you the equivalent medication in Spain or France or America or whatever. So it is quite clever because sometimes the medication we take here and we feel is legal. Safe, yeah. It's got a different uh, name, you know, in another country and it might actually be a totally different medication. So there is a very, very clever app that um, you can actually, you can actually do that. But what I've taken to doing is whenever I take Connor to the doctor over here um, and they want to give him some medication or, you know, an injection or, or maybe a drip or whatever, occasionally he doesn't get ill often, but um, occasionally when he's had to go to the doctor, I have said to them, look, he does play sport, uh, tennis at a, at a relatively high level. Can we just be careful what we put in, um, you know, what we put into the, into his body. Um, and then for a stage two years ago, he was on something for his skin. Um, again, you know, typical teenager, a, a lot of the teenagers go through that, but we were under an incredible doctor in Morningside um, who did blood tests every month to ensure that the medication was not affecting his muscle mass. And again, because wow. of the sport and also the first thing that the doctor actually asked me was, what is his, what is his, um, his yearly sort of cycle in terms of tennis tournaments and that. So he would actually try and work out the timing as to when best to start the medication, knowing that the medication was only going to be for a certain number of months. And I found that that was very professional. Okay. Um, and I think, I think it's just something everybody needs to be aware, aware of, um, especially yeah. if it's rugby and if it's cycling or canoeing. And I once interviewed a parent who, uh, whose, whose son was a canoeist. And they got tested every single time they got they finished a race. Sure. So, yeah. So the, that parent had to be absolutely pedantic about food supplements, nutritional supplements, everything, all the shakes, um, the pre, the during, the post, all of that. You've got to be two, acutely yeah. aware. Two pieces. Of, yeah, two pieces of advice on that. I think if you are taking supplements, um, it is a good idea to actually keep the barcode of the supplement packet or the, or the box or take a photograph of it. Um, some of the players, the hockey players, even went as far as, as keeping those barcodes and putting them all into little plastic bags um, so that they actually did have evidence of what batches that they had been using. So, so that is quite a good idea. Also to keep track of what medication you've taken into your body, even if it's just a Dispin or a Panado or... Um, something like that, uh, because when you get tested, you need to write down every single thing that you've put in your body, regardless of whether it's legal or not. So it's a good idea if they're going off to a tournament to maybe have on their phones somewhere a list of everything that they've had in the last month, say. And then also um, the actual testing process is quite 
an involved and stressful process, especially if you're doing it for the first time. And I think it takes a, some children, you know, quite by surprise and certainly some adults by surprise um, as to what the process actually is and what it is. Three. Um, the drug testing procedure um, is quite involved and it can be quite um, scary, I think, for children when they experience it for the first time. Um, and there are very definite procedures that need to be followed when the, when the drug testing is taking place. And I've, even though Connor's never been tested, I have given him an idea of what to expect should there be drug testing at a tournament. And I think it would be quite good for the parents to have an understanding themselves, especially if their children are minors um, under 18. There are very definite procedures um, in place that parents need to be aware of to make sure that those procedures are actually followed. And then well, to such an, yeah, it's such invaluable information. So if like from a, a, a mental strength coach, if you do all the what ifs before the tournament, Yes. Or the what if this happens, and then and then if this happens, what steps can you take? Those are just things that can reduce the anxiety for your child. So that Agreed. is, thank you for sharing that. That's like that's really amazing. Then another thing, injury. Every sportsman experiences injury. Have you had that? Have you been through that? Um, again, Connor has been very lucky. He does not get injured often. And I put that down to a couple of factors. I think when he was younger, he played a huge amount of sports. So there was an awful lot of cross training, if you want to put it, for want of a better word, happening when he was younger. And in fact, it was quite interesting. We were at a tournament the other day and a coach came up to me and said, you can see that Connor has played other sports. Uh, the way that he's moves, physically, the way that he's you know, physically, you, know, you can see that. All around. Okay. For, for us, I think, you know, if you're going to play one sport from the age of three or four, your body is not designed, I think, to, to cope with that. So I think the, the problems will start creeping in. So I think cover all of those, have a good physio, and try and be aware. If there is a niggle, try not to let that niggle become a big injury. So try and treat it as quickly as possible um, and, and monitor those little niggles and injuries um, because then they, they don't become that big, yeah. touch wood. And, um, and Jill, just on a more psychological side, because I, I, I'm approaching from if the child gets injured or sick yeah. and therefore misses out on something that they see as important. Yeah. Have you had that, that it would impact his emotional state? Yes. yes. Um, yeah, he has been ill. He has, um, he did have one, he did have one relatively bad injury. Um, he fell over in a match and actually did hurt his wrist really, really badly and missed out on a selection because he basically just couldn't carry on with the rest of the matches. And at the end of that tournament, they were selecting a team that he didn't make um, based on the fact that he hadn't actually been able to, to complete some of the matches. So yes, those sorts of things, because it's out of their control, 
you know, it's got nothing to do with how much time and effort you've put in, how much practicing, how much talent you've got. It's a freak accident. And I think for a child, for something that they can't control, you know, the questions are, but why? Why me? It's so unfair. Um, and again, I think you have to have open discussions. And if you can surround yourself with people that have been through that process. Um, so Connor, again, is in a very unique position in many ways in that he's had the same tennis coach since he was three years old. Oh, yeah. um, and he's now 17. So, you know, he has a 14-year relationship with his coach. His coach has seen him grow up. They're almost now like brothers. Um, but his coach has been through everything that Connor has been through. Okay. And so is able to relate to him and give him articles or advice. Um, I think probably the lowest, and I, I will mention this now because of the way he bounced back, probably the lowest point in Connor's tennis career was in about February last year, where he was down in Bloemfontein playing a couple of the ITF tournaments. Now, those are not the South African tournaments. Those are the International Tennis Federation tournaments that give you your international ranking. And we have got quite a number of those tournaments now in South Africa in the last few years. So the players try and play as many of them as they can. And again, we had this big juggle between school and the tournaments and doing our best. And Connor, unbeknownst to us, had actually had COVID and was not physically well at all. Um, we, he then was playing in a tournament and he just could, he, he had no energy, he couldn't play, he was really, really low, um, lost a match that he should never have lost. And instead of hanging around in Bloemfontein for the next week, I said, we're going home. Um, and we, we, we drove home and he was, shattered in the car he was so disappointed he really really was his coach came around the next day I left them chatting they had a good chat took them a while took him a while to sort of bounce back physically and mentally but two months later he was the South African champion oh fantastic um so, Angel just just in that how did you manage your disappointment how did you manage yourself while he was in his state yeah again as a mom and as a dad you feel for your child obviously your mm. heart is breaking you you know it's very mm. difficult to watch you know your son literally collapse on a, on a tennis court you know and just watching him play you know when you know that he can play at a much higher level and yeah I think you've as a parent you've again you've got to say it is not about us We've had our sporting lives. We've had our, our chance. You know, we now have to draw on our experience and allow the child to, to, to do what the child can do and, and to achieve what they can do. And then and, and it's to be and it's to be the safe person for them, right? So that when he Absolutely. is as disappointed as he is, that you are, he knows. I think it's important that he knows that it's okay. To, to let you down because he Copy. let himself down and and the if the pressure's on that I'm also going to let my parents down then that's extra pressure um now, and yeah, yeah? We, we never 
so we've never said to Connor that he's letting us down. Mm. Uh, it's no, but not sometimes in a, teen, in a teenager's mind, yes. they often think that I'm now also letting my parents down. So that's extra they pressure. Do. Yeah. You've got to try and disperse that pressure. So that is the first thing you've got to try and say to them. Yeah. It's not about us. You know, but Connor is very, he's very aware like that. Yes, but you've given up your time. You know, it's cost money to come here. You've given up time with dad or Jamie or whatever it is. And now look what I've done. It's all yeah. part of the process. Um, well, you know what? He obviously learned from it. Yeah. He yeah, obviously he learned yeah. from the loss yes. and, and then pulled it, pulled it together when it mattered yeah. most. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it definitely, it was incredible to, um, to watch that bounce back it, it really really was good but again it, it took a couple of people but most of it came from Connor himself and that's yeah. where I think that inbuilt desire to succeed and being it is it, not every child does have that so I'd say that's maybe where the difference is if a child does have that though it doesn't necessarily mean he or she will succeed. It's still got to be nurtured and the child has got to be um, guided as to how to, to achieve their goals, you know? Um, so I, I totally agree with you. And, and, and I think the word I would have used is managed. And, and I, when I say managed, it's that there's that desire to win. And it's sometimes for, for many, it's, it's at all costs. And so they yeah. will push themselves beyond, beyond, beyond. Mm. And what happens if it doesn't happen? Yeah. So, so like earlier, you were, we were talking about, so if he's got injured or sick and you said he's got his coach who he can talk to who has walked a similar path. And fortunately for Connor at the moment, he's still got school. So that's just something yeah. other that he can do if he's not playing tennis. But for other people who don't have an, an, another thing to do, I think it's really imperative that they have just a something else. So if it's a hobby or um, if they're studying, there needs to be a, a thought about another job or another career or something else, just because if it goes wrong, the emotional collapse and the resources that are available to them will be very little. So it's, I think it's fantastic that he's hopefully getting to the States to study a business degree. So he's got that. And if his tennis takes off, that's another thing. Um, and, and he's got his support network, so that's all fantastic. And if it doesn't happen, Jill, if his tennis doesn't happen, then how do you feel as a family? You know what we've all said, um, and Connor, Connor's quite interesting when you, when you listen to him. He's never, ever mentioned turning pro. Never. Okay. He, he sets goals for himself, um, which are... He needs to work to achieve those goals, but they are achievable. So he, you know, and, and those goals just get slightly higher and higher, um, you know, as he's, as, he's, as he's developed through his career. Um, so we've all sat down and, and discussed sort of the next few years. And his goal very much is, as you say, use his tennis to get to the States and get a really, really good degree. If at the end of that degree, he wants to, you, you know, wants to pursue tennis for a couple of years and see if he can take it any further, well, that's his decision. We've done what we can up until that point. I'm sure he will discuss it with us, but 
he will be able to make his own decision then, just as in the last few years, he started making more and more of his own decisions as well. Um, and, you know, if he, if he chooses to go into the workplace and just carry on playing tennis socially or whatever, well, then so be it. You know, it's, I don't think it's something you can force. I think it has to come from the person. Um, Organically and unfold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then, Jill, just the final question, because you've been in the SA hockey space. Yes. And our previous podcasts were, uh, have been with Gareth Ewing, who was the SA men's yes. coach. What you could identify with stuff that Gareth was saying, would you be happy to share on this podcast? Um, I just listened to Gareth's first podcast where he spoke about his own, um, you know, his own, his own issues um, uh, when he was with the team. Um, and I, yes, I could identify with, with a lot of those um, feelings that, that Gareth had. It's a, it's a very, it's a strange space, some of, some of South African sport. Um, I have no idea whether, whether coaches or managers around the world have the same feelings. Um, you know, I, that I can't compare. I can only go on my own experiences um, with, with the team. Um, and you, he speaks, and I think you mentioned it, about the, the, the feeling of being let down and reaching certain goals and then what happens after the Olympics or what happens after you've reached that goal? Where to from there? Where is the support? Um, and I, I, I think a lot of the, the essay girls found the same, found themselves in the same situation. Um, and certainly myself as manager and our coaching staff and management team, we also felt very similar after the Olympics. You do so much to get to a certain point you get to the tournament you've got all the um planning and training and all the planning and, and the new kit and the everything that that you need to to all the processes you need to go through to get to the tournament then when you're at the tournament there's a whole lot of other processes and emotions and um things going on and so at the end of that tournament it, that all just goes away. And then you question, well, what was it all about? You know, we went through all these stresses and strains and it's not even really about the results. It's almost about where to from here. Yeah. And there's a severe lack of um, support. support when you get back from a tournament like that. It, it's almost like it never happened. There is literally just no support for wow. management, players, anyone involved after a big tournament like that. But Jill, this is something maybe you could even do with Connor. Like, mm. what if? So this is our plan. So you're talking about the Olympics. You went to the Olympics. Yes. This is what it's going to look like. And at the end, what is it going to look like? The movie wow. often doesn't get played through to that. And maybe that's the support that's needed. And that's the mental support that's required. Because after the tournament, you're left with your head. Yeah. The physical stuff is over. And so yeah. it's it's how do we prepare our mindset for the next step? And and in, in pre preparation, we can manage our emotions. Yeah. And that's I think so that's yeah. and that's what you're saying as the, the hockey team, as individuals, even more so as in individual sport, because it's a bit lonely out there. Absolutely. And it gets even lonelier when you're losing it. 
Mm. Um, and so, so he, uh, Connor has got, is blessed to have an amazing coach, a supportive mm. coach, and he's got an amazing family behind him. And you guys need to do the what if with the plan B when he leaves to go to America because he he needs to keep that support network alive and yeah. well, but in a different way. Yes, it it um it will be different, and you you're quite right. It's it's a totally different mindset. Um, you know, if if he if he does manage to get into the states, a lot of his friends will be staying in South Africa and heading off to varsity in January, February. His will be a very different year next year. Uh, yes. Should he you know should he manage to get into the states, um, and that's also why he will also be applying to South African universities. Um, because I do believe that you have to have options and you need to plan for various scenarios. Um, yeah. But obviously plan A, you know, is to try and get over to the States and pursue his tennis. I think he's, um, I think if you're at that level, you need Give to go, go. And what you can, what you can still achieve. Yeah. Give it a go. Have no regrets. Absolutely. Yes. But Jill, thank you so much for your invaluable time and expertise and I, I hope you've tapped some parents out there who you would have made some meaning to them so um yeah thank you very much so this was the second podcast in the series and if you'd like to send a message to the podcast or to be included in future podcasts please send a message to the instagram at Beat It With Joe. That's B-E-E-T underscore with Joe. This podcast is free. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please can you do so on YouTube at Beat It With Joe. And you can also support it by sharing this on your social media platforms. If you would like to sponsor this podcast, please do so. And you can get hold of me through direct messaging on Beat It With Joe. This Beat It With Joe podcast is, is for general purposes only and does not constitute the practice of psychology, psychiatry, dietetics, or any other health profession. Thank you.